The following message was recorded at Shades Valley Community Church in Homewood, Alabama. For more information and resources from Shades Valley, please visit us at shadesvalley.org. Our scripture reading today is uh, Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. There is something that is currently dividing our country, and I'm going to address it head on this morning at the beginning of this sermon. And that division is over the pronunciation of a word. Is it gif or is it jif? Um, not the peanut butter, these animated looping images. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, I say gif, but I've heard on good authority that it's pronounced jif. Well, nonetheless, uh, I think if we had to pick a gif to summarize this season, it, it would be the one where the guy just falls face down with his arms at his side and the letters done just flash across the, str- the screen. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, I hear it in the meetings that I have throughout the week. We all feel exhausted. Yes. <laughs> we all feel done. And yet, the reality of this season is that it's not done. <laughs> the challenges that we're facing are not done. Just the other night, I couldn't sleep, and so I thought I would do something productive with the time. And so I'm on social media, and I see a, a pastor that I follow tweet this, up late, can't sleep. I hear you, brother. And then he said this, Burdened with the rising mental health challenges we are seeing among pastors, leaders, students, and so many others. Actually, feeling the strain myself and in my family. This is just one example of thousands that express the pressure that this season has exerted on all of us in its own way. There's an exhaustion and a burden that if we're honest, in, in some way we all know in our experiencing. Jonathan asked me this week uh, what I was going to preach on since I had kind of a one-off. And I, and I told him that I wanted to preach on this passage where Jesus promises rest for his people um, because I am absolutely exhausted. And I blame you people. <laughs> Kidding. Um, but I'm exhausted, and, and I just wanted to spend a week meditating on these words from Jesus. And so that's what I want us to do this morning. Uh, I want us to reflect and, and chew on these words from Jesus. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would be gracious to us 
and that through this time, he would give our souls what we all need. And, and that's the rest of Jesus, the rest that Jesus offers. So before I get into the passage, um, I want to spend a little bit of time giving us the context. I imagine that many of us are familiar with the passage that was read this morning, but we, we may not be so familiar with the context that it sits in. Well, what's going on? Well, in chapter 11, uh, we see Jesus reflect on the reality that he has come to his own people um, and that Jesus has come to the religious leaders and just like they rejected John the Baptist, they have rejected him. He reveals their pride, their hard hearts. He reveals their arrogance. He reveals their self-sufficiency, their tendency to self-justify. And he reveals that they are on a road of destruction. It's going to end badly. Um, it brings to mind the words that I've spoken before uh, from C.S. Lewis, right? That, that Jesus is good, uh, but he's not safe. And he's like Aslan the lion, right? He, he's good, but he, he's not safe. Um, he's the justice bringer that we've seen all throughout the book of Revelation. Um, in our passage today, we hear that Jesus is gentle and lowly. Yes, um, but he is also not to be messed with. <laughs> He's the justice bringer. And so, we come to our verses, just a few verses later, where Jesus says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Right? This is just after Jesus, his pronounced judgment <laughs> on the religious Right? Well, first in this passage, what I want us to meditate on is who Jesus invites to come in these verses. Who does Jesus invite to come? Well, in light of this context we have, we see that it's not those with religious achievement or knowledge, it's not those that feel righteous. And have no need for the Savior. It's not those who have it all together. When Jesus sends out invitations, who does he invite to the party? Who does he want to be there? Those who labor hard and are weary. Those who labor hard and are weary. That's worth meditating on this morning. Because often we tell ourselves that it is our weariness and that it is our being burdened that disqualify us from coming to Jesus. Or at least it annoys him, right? Oh, here comes Brad again, weary and burdened. I was having such a good day. It's not true. Um, on, on one label, on one level, excuse me, um, I think uh, those who labor hard and those who are weary um, are those who are forced 
to carry the burden or the yoke of the law with all of its demands, with all of its regulations. Um, These are people who the Pharisees lay heavy burdens on, right? Um, It's those who are seeking to be justified by doing and achieving. Uh, Do you remember the movie Chariots of Fire? I recently used this illustration in a youth sermon. It didn't go over very well. I don't think Chariots of Fire is trending right now. Um, But do you remember in the movie, uh, why does one of the main characters work so hard at running the 100-yard dash for the Olympics? Because when he begins each race, he says, I have 10 lonely seconds to justify my existence. It's heavy. As he begins each race, he has ten lonely seconds to justify his existence. Jesus came to bring us out of the exhausting task that every human being has, and that is the task of justification, justifying our existence. Um, let's be clear, trying to justify our existence by our perfect obedience to God is absolutely exhausting. We know this, right? But I think we need to hear it afresh this morning. Maybe there are failures in your past and your present that you have said, I am never going to speak this aloud to anyone because what would that say about me? What would that say about my faith? What would people think? What would that mean for my identity and going forward? It's absolutely exhausting. Uh, Trying to justify our existence by our perfect marriage is absolutely exhausting. Um, Because if we're struggling... We can't tell anybody. We can't let anybody into the mess, to the fights, to the arguments, to the things that we've said, right? Because, well, what would that mean about us? Um, And meanwhile, on top of the concerns about what other people think about us, um, we think, God must be so disappointed with me. He must be so disappointed with how my marriage has turned out. And so we begin to tell ourselves this narrative that we need to clean ourselves up. We need to fix ourselves before we can come to him. And we can do the same thing in our singleness. God has to be so tired of us coming to him again and again and again, right? Trying to justify ourselves through financial security, achievement, uh, earning the approval of others, maintaining this image is absolutely exhausting. Um, And here in this passage, Jesus, with, with a smile on his face and with open arms, invites all who are exhausted from trying to justify their existence. That's who he invites to the party. That's who he 
wants to come. Um, on another level, I don't think it's those that are just trying to justify themselves through their achievement. I think it's people that are doing that, but they're doing that, and on top of doing that, they are also burdened by all the anxieties of everyday life. Um, Jesus in this passage does not ask us to unburden ourselves before we come to him. No, he asks us to come to him with all our burdens, with all our anxieties. I mean, are you overwhelmed by the demands of everyday life? Are you exhausted from politics and the pandemic? Are you exhausted from politics and the pandemic? Are you exhausted from politics and the pandemic? Are you burdened? Are you weighed down by the continued injustices that we see in this world? Are you you weighed down by the chaos that we see every time we get on social media, every time we open our news app, every time we turn on the, the TV? Are you absolutely overwhelmed by the injustice of this world? Jesus wants the burdened, weighed down, exhausted, done you to sit in his presence. To come into his presence. He sits eagerly waiting to carry our burdens. To hear from us. He sits waiting to deal with our emotional highs and our lows, our all-over-the-placeness, are constantly questioning and and rambling and repetitiveness and restlessness. He sits waiting. Um, Our brokenness and striving and anxiety does not disqualify us to come to Jesus. It qualifies us. And he wants us to come like a child with outstretched arms. That's what he wants. Um, He wants to give us the gift of what? Rest. But can we be honest this morning? I hate to be honest in church, but, you know, here we go. Um, Can we be honest this morning? I wonder if we really believe that he can give us rest. I wonder if our life experiences of Our continued Christian walk has led us to a place where we quote this passage and we have it on a coffee mug, but we don't really believe it. Can Jesus really give us rest that we all long for, especially in this season? With politics and the pandemic, with right? Well, that's why I want us to reflect this morning on the rest that Jesus gives Um, And I want us to reflect on the relational character of it. The relational character of the rest that Jesus gives in this passage. Look what he says. He says, Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Uh, Chuck DeGroat, in his book, Wholeheartedness, which is a great book I would recommend, 
um, talks about the fascinating research, I think it's fascinating at least, we'll see what y'all think, um, the fascinating research of Bridget Schultz. Bridget Schultz. Um, Schultz reports that seniors who are retired, listen to this, seniors who are retired who ought to be teaching the rest of us how to enjoy life feel flattened by all the tasks they needed and wanted to do in a day. That's what the research found. Those in retirement. She found that 40% of American workers, no matter their socioeconomic status, feel overworked. Half of all workers feel like they have too much work to finish in a typical week. Two-thirds report not having enough time with their spouse. Three-fourths report not having enough time with their children. Um, we're exhausted, right? And we feel that. Um, but Schultz asks the odd question, do we want rest? Do we want rest? Deep, satisfying rest. Well, according to the research, apparently not. Uh, shockingly, research shows that most of us work on vacation. And that in many cases, it seems busyness addicts simply don't use their vacation despite the daily groaning of, I just need to get away. Um, I think it's also worth pointing out that other research has showed us that when we do have free time, right, we're so busy and then we finally get free time, that we're spending most of that time on screens. And most of that screen time is spent on applications that leave us feeling exhausted, um, tired, uh, bad about ourselves. It's interesting. Now, what's going on? Uh, we're exhausted as a society, but we don't always rest when we have the opportunity. Um, this is a complicated conversation. Right? And I have no intention in giving a full answer this morning. But I, I just want to point out that I wonder if part of it is that we're scared of stillness and silence. We're scared of stillness and silence. Now, I know that that sounds ridiculous to some of us, especially for parents of small children, right? You're like, Brad, do you know what I would do for a moment of stillness and silence? You don't want to know. It gets really dark, <laughs> right? Um, but I wonder if we're scared of stillness and silence because for us to stop and for us to be still and silent would mean that we would need to be honest with ourselves and we would need to be honest with Jesus about the shame, about the pain, about the wounds, and about the burdens that we carry. What happens when we don't have our work to distract us? What happens when we don't have our devices to distract us? What, what happens when we stop? And we're honest. As I've looked into my own life, I have to be honest, sometimes it's easier to just keep moving, isn't it? 
Um, another book that I've been reading recently that I love is a book by a therapist and writer, K.J. Ramsey. Uh, the title of her book I love. It's called This Too Shall Last. <laughs> this is great. Um, this Too Shall Last, um, Finding Grace When Suffering Lingers. Another book I would recommend. Uh, on the book, in the book, excuse me, she actually reflects on our verses for this morning. And I love what she writes. Listen to what she says. She says, in these verses, Jesus acknowledges your burden. With outstretched hand, he invites you to rest. To receive the rest Jesus offers, though, you must first acknowledge your weariness and your burden. Now, this is real good. She says, shame powerfully works to block us from acknowledging our weariness by questioning its validity, labeling it as too much, spiritualizing it as bad, pointing out how everyone else seems to be fine, and turning our eyes towards all the shiny things we could be expending energy on to produce and control and sustain. It's almost like shame wants to be God. That's a thought worth meditating on this morning. Um, the deep rest that we long for um, begins and is sustained by a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. The deep rest that we long for comes when you and I begin to get honest and real about all the wounds that we have about all the pain that we have, about all the shame that we have, about the things that we've sworn that we would never tell other people and the things that we haven't brought before Jesus because we think he's ashamed of us. Um, true and deep rest begins when we begin to be honest with ourselves and when we begin to be honest with Jesus and we begin to bring all of it before him. Um, the rest that Jesus offers us comes when we acknowledge our striving, our wounds, our burdens, our anxiety. It's found in the coming. Do you see? It's found in a relationship. This is how we receive God's Sabbath. Rest. By knowing and being known by God. Now, we remember, or we might know, Augustine's famous words. Thou hast made us for ourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds rest in thee. I love that. I use it all the time. I've quoted it like 15 times in a sermon. You're probably sick of hearing it, right? And it's true. It gets at what I was saying. The rest is found in the coming to Jesus. Um, but nonetheless, I think that the philosopher and theologian James K. Smith is right when he reflects on this saying from Augustine and says that um, to find our rest in God is to be restless in a whole new way. That rings true, doesn't it? Um, to find our rest in God is to be restless in a whole new way. It, and this leads me to my third point, that it, if we um, are to see the rest that Jesus offers, then we must reflect on the already not yet nature of his rest. 
the already not yet nature of his rest. Um, we have to be careful when we hear the word rest. Um, not to think of rest through the lenses of the American dream. Do you get what I'm saying? Um, so if our understanding of deep rest simply equals ease of life, financial prosperity, lots of vacations, little work, low-maintenance spouse, perfect children, no sickness or pain, then we're going to be very disappointed with the rest that Jesus offers. Um, and, and not only that, but we aren't going to be able to make sense of Jesus' words about the cost of discipleship. I mean, just read the Gospels, right? Not only are we not going to be able to make sense of the cost of discipleship, but we're not going to be able to make sense of many faithful saints who have gone before us and who live around the world today outside of America whose lives are marked by suffering and pain and persecution, right? We have to look at the already not yet character of the rest that Jesus offers. Jesus comes in Matthew's gospel um, announcing that the future reign of God um, the future perfect reign, it's broken into the present through him. Um, God's promise of Sabbath rest that we see in the Old Testament comes now, breaks into the present in Jesus Christ, and it comes, though, in part. And one day, it will come in full, already, not yet. And so now on this earth, we taste and we see the rest that we have through our relationship with Jesus in part, but we're not going to know it in full. To find our rest in Jesus is to be restless in a whole new way. Do you see? Um, and the reason that we will not have perfect rest in this life is because um, this world is not our home. Right? Um, I mean, this is... What I'm talking about here, this is all Romans 8 stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Um, in Romans 8, we see creation. It's, it's groaning. It, it's longing for redemption. And so to be a disciple of Jesus Christ is to, in some sense, enter into the cre creation's groaning and longing for redemption. It's to live with unmet desires. It's to live with restlessness. It's to live with exhaustion. It's to live with politics and the pandemic. Poli you get what I'm saying, right? It's, it's to live in exile. Um, at times we will be exhausted. We will be done. Um, and yet God does something in the midst of that. God, by His grace, reveals to us in our exhaustion in our doneness, that this world's not our home. Um, even though at times we think it is, right? This world's not our home. Who are we? We're exiles longing to be home. We're exiles longing to be home. The good news about Jesus' gift of rest in this life is not a message about the ease of life or even a certain schedule we're going to have but a message about who he is for us. 
a message about who he is for us. Um, who is he? Who is he? Um, when he says that his yoke is easy, right, and his burden is light, he isn't referring to the fact that following him is going to be easy. And there are going to be few demands and responsibilities, right? Um, he's not talking about that. He's talking about who he is. Um, that's why his yoke is easy and his, his burden is light. Because of who he is. And who does he say he is in the text? Who is he in his very heart and the core of who he is? He's gentle and lowly. He's gentle and lowly. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly. Gentle and lowly. Now, this beautiful truth about who Jesus is can be so hard for some of us to see. And why is that? Um, because you and I are deeply shaped by the closest relationships in our life. This is true for all of us. You and I are deeply shaped by the closest relationships in our life. And for some of us, we were in relationships that told us through their words or maybe just their actions that... Um, our anxiety was too much. That our questions was too much. That our pain is too much. That our all over the placeness is too much. That our mistakes are too much. Um, maybe you were in a relationship where if you made a false step, if you made the, the smallest mistake, that that would mean um, that you would be in the pathway of fiery anger. Or maybe it was the opposite. For you to make a mistake meant that you would receive this cold distance and rejection. And, and so you did the only thing you knew to do to survive. Um, and that was... Learn that you can't trust other people and that if you're going to be okay and you're going to make sure that the relationships that you're in are okay, then that means that you're going to need to handle everything yourself. You're going to need to deal with everything yourself. You're going to need to make yourself okay because you are too much. And only then... After doing that, can you enter into this relationship with this version of you that's not really you, but it's the version of you that allowed you to survive? As much as we want to, and I know so many of us in this room want to um, receive our vision of who God is from the Scriptures, the reality is so often we project onto Jesus the closest relationships in our lives. Do we see what I'm saying? So we 
see Jesus as an eternal projection of our Father. We see Jesus as an eternal projection of our mother. We see Jesus as an eternal projection of that horrible relationship. And so why would we ever come to that person in honesty and vulnerability? The English pastor Thomas Goodwin says that we are apt to think that Jesus being so holy, um, so radiant, so glorious, is therefore of severe and sour disposition against sinners and is not able to bear them. No. Jesus says, I am meek. Gentleness is my nature and temper. Jesus says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. He's gentle. The core of who he is, he's meek. I love what Dane Ortland says about these passages. And this passage, excuse me, and when he reflects on it, um, he says, he's gentle. Uh, Jesus is not trigger happy. He's not harsh, reactionary, easily exasperated. He's the most understanding person in the universe. Jesus, I want you to hear this this morning. Holy Spirit, come. Jesus is far more patient with you than you are with yourself. Jesus is far more patient with you than you are with yourself. He's gentle. It's who he is in his heart. He's lowly, humble. Um, Throughout the New Testament, the Greek word refers to humility um, not so much as a virtue, which is what we think about it, humility is a virtue, but a sense of destitution. Um, Humble, lowly. Um, a sense of being thrust down by life's circumstances. Like Mary's song. Do you remember what Mary says? She says that God exalts those of what? Humble estate. Or like when Paul tells the church, don't associate with the haughty, but associate with who? The, the lowly. Um, I think the point in saying that Jesus is lowly is that he's accessible. He's He's approachable. Would we let that truth about Jesus sink into our souls this morning? In this passage, it's like Jesus is saying, hey, come know me. Come walk with me. Come see who I am. Come take my word upon you and let me be your teacher. Let me be your Lord. Um, Come, get out of the striving, the the shaming, the self-loathing and enter into my rhythms of grace. Come see that I'm tender. That's who I am. I'm welcoming, I'm patient, I'm accommodating, I'm understanding, and I am kind. Come see my love for you. Let me hold you through the storms. Come, let me give you a deep, deep taste of the rest that you will know perfectly one day. The rest you will know perfectly one day. Let me conclude with this. I'm a pastor, so saying I'm concluding doesn't really mean anything, but let me conclude with this. Um, Rest is a big conversation, you know, it it really is, and I think there's so much room for us to talk about our schedules, for us to talk about patterns in our life, uh, for us to talk about um, our screen time, right, for us to talk about our Enneagram numbers, Right? I mean, I'm all into it. Go for it. I've benefited so much from these talks. 
Um, and, and just resting in Jesus in and of itself is such a big conversation. Um, I think it's so important to talk about various means of grace in, in which Jesus meets us, right? Whether that's silence and solitude or whether that's scripture study, whether that's meditating on scripture, whether that's prayer, whether that's, that's fasting, right? I mean, it's so important for us to have these conversations and to look at our lives honestly and to take an assessment and, and to see what rhythms am I in, right? Especially with the COVID, right? What, what rhythms have I, I, have I gotten in, right? So important to talk about. Um, but I just want to leave us with this. Uh, this thought. In the New Testament, James says, confess your sins to each other. Um, Paul says, carry one another's burdens. James says, confess our sins to one another. And Paul says, carry one another's burdens. Um, The practice that has sustained me in this season is the practice of confession and the practice of what I'm going to call burden dumping. Um, to trusted brothers and sisters in Christ. The practice of confession and, and the practice of burden dumping to trusted brothers and sisters in, in Christ. Um, during this season, I have shared areas of my heart that I thought I would never share. I have named and spoken about things that I never thought I would speak about. And I've been met by Christian brothers and sisters that look me in the eyes and say, Brad, I know you have so much shame, but I'm not ashamed of you. You are not too much for me, and I'm not going anywhere. I'm not leaving the room. In these holy moments, through the compassion of my brothers in my sisters in Christ, I have seen the face of Jesus Christ. I've seen his tender eyes. I have seen his smile. And I have seen his warm embrace. And I've seen how I have bought a lie about him from the enemy. Might we in this season commit ourselves to confession and to burden dumping for one another? So we can see the kindness of Jesus. So we can see that he's gentle and lowly. This may mean that you need to schedule a coffee meeting. This may mean that you need to schedule a a Zoom meeting. Uh, This may mean that you need to go to dinner with someone. Uh, This may mean that you and your wife need to get together and have an honest conversation for the first time in a really long time. Or you and your husband need to get together and have an honest conversation for the first time in a really long time. This may mean you need to get with another couple. This may mean that you need to see a counselor. Maybe you need a safe space to talk. Can we just say, this is obvious, but I'm just going to say it this morning. There is no shame in that. I know you people. We all need counseling. There there is no shame in it. Um, Maybe you need a safe space where you can, for the first time, really begin to address some of the wounds and pain that you've been carrying. 
Would you do that? There are so many counselors we would love to recommend to you. The enemy wants to keep us exhausted. Shame wants to keep us exhausted by keeping us from coming to one another and coming to Jesus. He wants to keep us hidden. But Jesus invites us, even in the midst of the chaos, even in the midst of the exhaustion, even in the midst of the politics and this pandemic, to come to him. Would you come this morning?